I, I believe so. Jim is. We, we do we have a quorum? We do. We do. Yeah. Okay. Um, first item of business is to approve the minutes from the November second meeting. Do well, I? Call the meeting to order. Oh, call the meeting to order. I've got our housekeeping items. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. The meeting is called to order. Good evening. Uh, my name is Scott Wagner. I'm the Lawrence uh, Airport Manager, and welcome to the February 1st meeting of the Aviation Advisory Board. And I just have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. City staff and aviation board members will be in person and online. Um, virtual participation is allowed for any participant, including staff and the public. Live public comment can be made in person here at City Hall or virtually using the Zoom link. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and on cable channel 25. If you're on Zoom, please remember to please mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled and all chats will go directly to me. When the chair calls for in-person public comment, individuals should indicate if they wish to speak and staff will direct you to the podium here at City Hall. Individuals participating via Zoom should raise, use the raise hand function to indicate that they wish to speak. And please state your name before speaking and comments should be limited to three minutes. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn off individual videos to minimize distractions during the Zoom meeting. Now I'll turn the meeting back over to our board chair, Clancy Maloney. And I'll try to get back organized. Um, okay, um, has everybody read the minutes from November 2nd? And if so, and uh, I need a motion to accept them. May I have one from somebody? I'll move. That's Chris. David. Uh, David, a second? Second. From Dan. And I'm going to take a roll call vote because we need to do that. Uh, Richard. Aye. Dan? Aye. Chris? Aye. Myself? Aye. Uh, David? Aye. Jim is not here. Tiffany? Aye. Okay. Jim will be here momentarily. Yeah, okay. The second item on here is the airport manager's report, which we want to uh, suspend for a moment so that we can get the um, terminal report from Andy, right? Yes. I know Andy needs to hop off pretty quick, so we'll turn over uh, the first regular agenda item to uh, Andy Bodine, who's been our primary consultant on this project. And I did lay on everyone's chair up at the Diaz the um, terminal construction schedule as we've laid it out uh, so far to date. And I'll turn it over to Andy for an update on this project. Thanks, Scott. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hey, good. Good to, good to be with you all. I wish to be there in person, but I uh, appreciate Scott, uh, you know, facilitating uh, moving the schedule around to accommodate me. So um, I think the last time that we talked was the November 2nd meeting, and we were on the, I think, precipice of, of receiving bids for the terminal um, modifications uh, project, uh, both the base bid and additive alternate. Um, we did receive favorable bids on that project. We did only have one bidder. Um, that was first construction, um, but we're, we're pleased to say that uh, we made the award to first construction and look forward to getting construction started. So um, on November 2nd, I tried to kind of lay out some of the some of the nuances of, of how we've structured the project um, that's really been broken down into a base bid and that of alternate. Our focus within the base bid piece of the program was to focus on the areas that were going to be eligible for the ATP grant. 
um, that you all were awarded through the FAA's um, competitive process um, in the middle of last year. That was slightly over a million dollars. Um, and so our the way that our plans were structured were to create a base bid um, set of plans that would align with the FAA's objectives of creating a more ADA accessible facility, um, replacing aging infrastructure, and just overall eligible items uh, per the AIP handbook that kind of governs, you know, what what items are eligible and what items are not. So um, within that base bid, um, we were able to include almost all of the terminal work that we had previously talked about. Um, we also included ADA accessible sidewalk, ADA accessible spaces, um, and some of the paving uh, directly in front of the terminal itself to help various areas. So, um, all of that, all of that is taken care of um, underneath the base bid, and then we structured the additive alternate as a way to reconfigure the parking lot, like we had all you know talked about and shown before, um, to overlay the entrance road, and then to accommodate some of the ineligible items. Um, that are ineligible per the FAA's AIP handbook. And so those were the spaces primarily related to the FBO portion of the terminal. And the reasoning behind that is because, you know, the city or the sponsor realizes, um, you know, a lease, a lease fee, you know, they're making money off of that space from the FBO. And so that makes it ineligible for, for federal funding. And so we wanted to include that as part of the additive alternate piece of the project overall. We made a second round application in November, about the same time that we opened bids, um, to hopefully cover all of the eligible pieces of the additive alternate. So that would be the paving um, and some of the some of the other eligible items within the additive alternate to hopefully get you guys a second round ATP grant as well to cover the eligible pieces of of that part of the project. Um, we're still waiting to hear on that, but we did submit um, a grant application uh, for that work, knowing that even if you guys are unsuccessful on that second round of funding, um, that you do have non-primary entitlement available. And I know Scott and Kyle uh, Connorwitz have been working diligently to make sure that uh, you guys are all taken care of from a, from a local share side of things as well. So. Um, it looks like Scott's got the, the schedule pulled up there on the screen. Um, we're looking at over the next couple of weeks, um, we've received the grant agreement for the base bid. Um, and I would expect that once we hear on the ATP second round of funding, um, you know, whether or not that ends up being successful or not, that we'll have a second grant agreement that comes in relatively shortly after this. Um, you know, depending on funding source that will be passed through um, city commission, just like the grant agreement for the base bid, um, and we'll get things rolling with with first construction. We want to take, you know, the idea is that we really take the next four to eight weeks and start to get some of the material submittals in from from first construction. You know, with some of those building materials, they they are sometimes longer lead time items. And so we wanted to provide, you know, a decent amount of time in that four to eight week period to, to start to get shop drawings in from them, have our staff review those as part of our construction management services to you all and make sure that they're in line with the plans and specifications that we developed for this project. So. Construction, we're planning on starting in, in early April. 
Um, it's 120 calendar days for um, completion of the of the building work, and we think that the paving work that's that's going to take primarily place, you know, during the additive alternate or in the additive additive alternate piece of the contract can take place concurrently with um, the building work that's going on too. So. Hopefully you guys have a brand new, uh, you know, big, beautiful terminal and, and you know, new entrance road and, and more efficient parking um, by the early part of September. So um, with that, I'd be happy to take any questions you all have and just uh, reiterate that we appreciate the opportunity to, to have worked on this project with you guys. Anybody? My only question is, how does it impede or implode or work with other schedules we've got going on, like the gas people and that kind of thing? Is there any uh, import with that? Yeah, so that will be part of our um, initial kickoff with first construction. You know, we've got some phasing built into the plans itself, but we really want to work with you guys and stakeholders to make sure that, you know, when we do closures of the roadway, that it's only one lane at a time or that it's done at off-peak periods to make sure that we minimize or, or even eliminate any impact to your users, Clancy. Okay, great, because there'll be at least one or two other projects going on at the same time. Okay, yep. thanks, Andy. You bet. A question I have is as far as normal airport operations, as far as transient traffic, because this is going to encompass, you know, the KU graduation, you know, a lot of uh, different events that, that come through Lawrence. What's the access going to be like for restrooms and facilities and keeping the FBO open during this time? Yeah, the, the, the idea is that the FBO stays open and that access to the restroom stays open as well. We've actually got a nice, you know, kind of a nice path to that that south side of the building that still allows access to the restrooms itself. And, you know, I, I guess kind of luckily, you know, or or with a lot of foresight on your guys' part that you, you know, you rehabbed those bathrooms before we even embarked on this terminal program. So that means they're not being touched as part of this project. And we would, you know, it would be our intent that those remain open and accessible during that, during the construction project. Super, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. You might see if members of the public have questions. Yeah. Question. Anybody? <laughs> yes, not. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Scott. Thank you all. Scott, do you want to proceed or do you want to go on with? The um, if you don't mind, Clancy, I think I could roll through my uh, airport manager's report pretty quickly. Okay. Great. Correct. Okay. So we'll skip back in the agenda to the first item and I'll get to it here, which was a uh, the airport manager's report and several of these topics are on later in the agenda as well. Uh, just a few quick updates that I'll highlight and then we can, we've got a rather packed agenda tonight. So I'll try to quickly go through these and again, all these materials were posted with the agenda packet tonight. Our annual aircraft inventory report was due December 15th uh, and not uh, too many changes from last year and uh, reported the numbers there. We've applied for yet another grant opportunity. FAA on uh, December 29th issued a NOFO, a Notice of Funding Opportunity. Again, some of these funds are, are coming out of the bill legislation that was passed in November of 2021. This particular NOFO was under the FAA's climate challenge uh, initiatives uh, that they're pushing out. And we thought that the 
Taxiway A project with the added replacement of the taxiway lighting with LED lights seem to best fit the guidelines for that particular notice of funding opportunity. So I worked to submit a grant application by the end of January to, to meet that deadline. I just wanted to report on the KAA and the Four States Conference and get those dates out there. Uh, the KA conference will be held, um, that's the Kansas Association of Airports, this June 14th, 15th, and 16th up in Atchison. So it's nearby this year. And this is also a discussion item on your agenda for later tonight um, as to uh, if board members uh, feel like they want to attend this year, it'd be a great opportunity to go to that conference or the Four States Conference is always held in the Kansas City area, and those dates are August 23rd through 25th. So you'll get a chance to talk about that in a bit. Andy already reported on the next item. We applied for a second round of bill funding uh, for the additional terminal items. So last I heard from FAA is they plan to announce those awards either in late February, early March, and we applied for $1,075,000 uh, in additional funding under the second round of that funding opportunity. Um, the United Way event we had on our agenda last November, just to kind of debrief, I was able to meet with the new uh, Caw Valley United Way director a couple weeks ago, and they've just now hired a new kind of Douglas County vice president. Uh, their advisory committee were, uh, plans to meet here in February to discuss whether they uh, plan to have uh, that event at the airport again. So I'll uh, continue to be in touch uh, with them and um, we'll report back more at our May meeting. The fuel farm uh, repair, it seems like we've been talking about this forever. It's been about a year since it first came to my attention that we needed to replace the pumps. They finally come in and uh, um, they're too big. <laughs> oh. We'll be able to use them, but we need to make some modifications to the fuel farm uh, kind of rack system uh, to replace some electrical equipment. So staff is working through those issues with PB Hoyle, Hoydale company uh, that got the bid on that project. I'm continuing to do outreach in the community about the airport because there's just lots of interest in what's going on. So I'm going to present to the Lawrence Rotary Club on Monday, May 22nd at Maselli's is when that club meets at noon. So any board members are welcome to attend that. I think on uh, the November uh, airport manager's report, I had the funding grant applications that we'd applied for through the KAIP program. I did hear through my work on the KA board that um, that pro particular program is going to receive an increase in funding through the state budget this year in the amount of $10 million. So I'm more optimistic than I have been uh, in terms of uh, maybe we'll get some of these uh, grant applications and award announcements are supposed to be made in February. So I'll have more to report at our May meeting on that grant opportunities. Um, just a quick update. Um, I attended a, an ex, just a really good online webinar uh, from AAAE in early November. It was called General uh, Aviation Airport Management and Operations. It was a three-day, all-day-long webinar, uh, and I'm still kind of unpacking from that, but it was just extremely helpful uh, and continued to educate me on the numerous uh, topics of airport management. We've been talking about um, sanitary sewer at the airport for uh, the last couple of years as well. And I wanted to report that the city added a, a sewer study um, in December to kind of a scope of work uh, with kind of some larger uh, 
sanitary sewer projects going on throughout the city. And um, that contract was awarded. Uh, the results of that study maybe we'll have uh, by our May meeting, but we were able to come up with enough funding to uh, come up with a, a preliminary design and hopefully some construction plans that if we can find a uh, either a, a federal or some bill funds uh, to fund uh, that work that we'll be ready ready to go with that. Uh, so the the results of that study will at least tell us um, numbers in terms of uh, flow capacities and, and when we will need to build out uh, sanitary sewer at the airport. And it also builds off some prior work that was done about 10 years ago. It was about this time a year ago that I think I reported to the board, the state of Kansas. Again, this is all coming out of uh, COVID type federal funds. Uh, the state of Kansas has um, initiate a program called uh, Building a Stronger Economy or the BASE program run through the Department of Commerce. We submitted a rather large grant application last year in the amount of $6.9 million. We did not get funding in that first round, but the state announced a second round of funding um, in the amount of $15 million for 2023. The first round grant applications automatically rolled over to the second round and I updated uh, our grant application with all the new information you know since a year ago in terms of what the city is already doing with some of the uh, projects we have going on at the airport so um again if we get uh, some award through that program i'll have more to report at our may meeting as well and finally i got an email from sue hack uh richard has been working with them in terms of leadership lawrence uh getting some flights for the graduate of the leadership lawrence classes and the date of april 20th has been uh, set for that and uh, we can talk more uh, tonight um, on that program. And um, Richard and I have already talked a little bit because we should have the, the terminal uh, construction is planned to start April 10th, uh, but uh, shouldn't impact uh, those leadership Lawrence flights too much. And I think we can hopefully work around those. That concludes my report tonight. Sure. Thank you. Anybody have comments? All right. Uh, the next item then is the uh, KU proposal, I believe, the marketing department. Um, is yes, that correct. That is correct. Okay. We have Lauren Summers here tonight. I'll see if I can get this pulled up a little better. I can introduce myself while we work on that. My name is Summer Foster, and I'm the creative director at KU Marketing. And uh, we were approached as a part of the renovation at the airport to see what we could do to add a KU presence into the airport and went and toured it with Scott and came up with a couple of opportunities. Um, some of the things, if you'll go ahead and advance. Yeah, so we went and looked around and saw just a couple of places that we thought would be a really great ad and uh, sort of low cost and not a big, um, wouldn't require a big government's plan on our part. If you want to keep scrolling. Yeah. Uh, Scott, share your screen. Oops, sorry. Are you sharing?
Can everyone see that uh, on, excuse me, online? Yeah, we can see it, Scott. Sorry about that, Lauren. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, some of the people that we estimate rolling through the airport um, that would enjoy a KU presence or benefit from it would be our athletic fans, alumni, legislators, donors, administration, and prospective athletes. I'm sure you guys have a much better sense than I do of who these people are or can add to that list, but this was sort of a top of mind uh, group that we could come up with. And there's really three spaces that we were excited about, but there's two that I think that we can definitely assist you guys with. Uh, the first one would be <clears throat> when you walk off the tarmac, there's two doors that you can enter into the lobby of the airport. Directly across from those doors on the south wall, there are these two large sort of columns that are just blank walls right now. I think there might be some framed mm -hmm frame things on it. I've highlighted them here. Uh, Scott did a wonderful job of being my scale model for these photos. <laughs> a new career, Scott. Yeah. Keep and, going. So, yeah, keep going. And what we think would make a really big impact would be to do two vinyl wall wraps, one on either side, and then include a vertical monitor that would scroll KU messaging, brag points, and other information that we think would be pertinent. Um, if being a monitor, there would be opportunities for the airport to add your guys's information in there and uh, we'd be kind of we'd be open to that and from a governance perspective this is something that we could update quarterly or biannually um, this is not a heavy lift for our office we shoot all of these images ourselves and and write the copy and do the graphics so um, it would all come directly from us we love our alma mater and i feel like the lofty language speaks really well to not only the people coming through the airport but also to the act of flying and so i think that there's an opportunity here to do rather than um i didn't want to busy up the sky space i didn't want it to I didn't want to include some birds or anything that would have any, you know, or clouds that would look like thunder or anything that would have a negative impact for this crew. So that's what I thought would be a good spot to have those large letters that that kind of speak to KU and and to our alumni base. We could do those as a part of a vinyl wrap, or we could also do those in three dimensions. I have gotten um, we're doing some similar work to some other buildings and hallways and campus, so I do have a loose quote. <laughs> Just the vinyl for these type of applications would be about twelve hundred dollars per. So you would have two in this space. That would not include the monitors. Just to give you a sense of kind of how large of an impact we can have with a with a low cost. Are these plans to be permanent or seasonal or? I think the wall wraps would be permanent in regards to that would be something that we could update every five years, every 10 years as we feel like they start to look dated. Um, depending upon the quality of wrap you get, uh, that's how long the ink colors and everything keep from fading. And, uh, but you know, I mean, things just start to, styles change and looks change and the KU brand changes. So I could see something that could, this would be something that could last five years up to 10. So the wrap itself, you don't see changing like fall or spring to? No, it would be a pretty permanently attached to the wall, but all of the graphics on the monitors, we could update to seasonal graphics to um, hit uh, brag points like our athletics so for national championships um you know we love to highlight our road scholars when we get one of those and uh yeah lots of opportunities there that we could refresh would this be funded by ku or joint funding i mean would this be i don't have any information on that 
Um, I think we need to talk about that at some point. That might be a Scott question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Kind of another updated one. I know that in one of the drawings, there was uh, another monitor, I think, on a wall adjacent to that. And so maybe, you know, as a part of this plan, we'd want to talk about either consolidating those or seeing, you know, you don't need to have a monitor on every single wall. There's quite a few already being put into the new space. Um, but this would kind of give you more of a pulled back look at the opportunity without being distracted by all the paint colors and wall things that are going to change. I don't understand where that is. Explain that to me. That's the south wall. That's the south wall. And so those are the main doors into the parking lot. Like if you are inside the building. That's what we just looked at. Oh, okay. That's the size. I'm sorry. I didn't understand the scale. All right. Go ahead. Okay. These would just be some examples of some of the things that we could put on the monitors. Um, they would range from campus beauty to uh, exalting our research, you know, and academics um, to definitely we would want to hit on our athletics for this group. How frequently can they update that for, let's say, recruiting purposes? Uh, I think we could negotiate probably doing that by request. I think quarterly is what we originally discussed and found reasonable, but I don't. This isn't, yeah, this isn't a big deal for us and we want to help you guys. I guess it helps us too, right? Here's just some more examples of campus beauty, athletics, research. Um, one of our copywriters did do some beautiful work that I didn't put on these slides, you know, but um, I love the lofty language that we can use in regards to like forging Kansas excellence since 1865. You know, uh, from a hill in Kansas, we changed the world you know, those types of inspirational messages. Here's some more just sort of highlighting our, our flagship campus. And then the second opportunity uh, that we discussed that we thought would work really well for you guys is there was just miles and miles of fence wrap. And we think that we can narrow that down to the fence just sort of on either side of the building and help frame that in. There's an example of one of it. Go ahead and keep scrolling. We think this is an opportunity to do something really big and really bold. That way you can see it from the tarmac. You can see it from the air. You know, you can see it as you approach the airport coming down the drive that this is this is, this lends that excitement and generates that, oh my God, I'm here, you know, and we think that uh, people that are traveling here have such a great sense of anticipation. They're coming here for a thing. And it's just a really nice tone to start that and begin all of that work with the brand. They're seeing the Jayhawk. They're seeing the athletic flag. They're seeing our chant and, uh, and another view of our campus. Um, we think that this would be a low lift to maintain and uh, would be, do a beautiful job of framing in your building. I think the artwork's great. I wonder about this, if there's any security issue. Um, visibility into the airport by, so that would need to be a question I would want to have answered for sure. Absolutely. Do the, what's the update refresh rate on those things are on the side? <laughs> I'd have to look into it. Yeah. But your, the idea would be permanent and then updated as needed. Yes. Yes. 
There was another opportunity that we discussed with Scott that I really wanted to make work. Um, he talked about how you need to add a, a shade to the large window that faces the tarmac. And then on the other side of it, um, we had discussed his desire to get like a big fiberglass Jayhawk and create this amazing spot for, for selfies as people get off their planes and, and walk towards the building. And I looked into it, unfortunately, it is not within my power to get you guys a giant fiberglass Jayhawk. I tried, and if you can figure out how to do it, definitely let me know because I want that. But um, what I do recommend is, you know, one of our traditions is the confetti toss. And I think that in that space, you can add a black and white photo to that shade, still creating that shade space, but also creating a backdrop of one of our traditions, you know, and adding that excitement, that fan experience and introducing to people that it's just as soon as, soon as they get off the plane to what they can expect when they come to KU. Set permanently mounted on the, how's that work on the glass? It would be, so for the, the type of shade that you can add to existing glass, it's, it would be a vinyl or an adhesive. Okay, can from the lobby, can you see the, the apron and the airplanes that are out there? Yes, so what would be white would be clear. What, and we can do it is clear, but what is dark there would not be. It would be a darker shade, and we can adjust the tones of that. So there's no reason for it to be as dark as it's it similar to what you see on the buses, right? Like on the windows of the bus. Exactly. Mm. So from the inside, you can see out, but the outside looks like a solid color uh, or solid image. So from the inside, it we wouldn't see this, but it would only be from the outside that we would see it. It would be it would be shaded. And you would see it, but not as clearly as you would from the other side. You'd be able to see through it from the inside. So I guess the the question is, is people come to the airport to watch aircraft yeah, they do. land and watch people arrive. The windows will still have plenty of visibility for, and there's even some wildlife that comes in and out. And, you know, you see some hawks and things flying. But as so as people see and watch things happening on the ramp, and they'll they'll still be able to see all the activities. But when you're coming from the outside in, you'll see the image. That's something we definitely want to work with the details on a vendor for and make sure that we got the percentages of those shades the way they need to be to provide the shade you're looking for, but also to increase the visibility. And we can also choose photos that would allow more space if that is a concern. I think it is. <laughs> okay. And that's it. Okay. Comments? Nice work. Thank you very yeah. much. Clearly a very talented team over there. Yeah, you got a great great bunch over there. Sounds like uh, the writer's yeah. job too. Oh, man. Okay, comments? Yeah, this is Ron Renz. Um, I, I like, overall, I like the idea. I think it's really great. A couple of comments. I, I don't like the graphics on the big window looking out to the airport. Um, I think that would really detract from people wanting to see airplanes. Um, and, and, and even though it's going to be shaded. It's 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 not that great. We got airplanes coming in at night. People like to see their people coming in with airplanes, and so I I I don't like that idea. I like all the other ideas. I think they're really good. Um, the only other comment I've got is is have you looked at how this coordinates with the terminal upgrade plan that we're doing? Because I know the walls and ceilings and columns and stuff is all changing. So hopefully you've thought that into consideration. Actually, I did. Scott did forward me the plans to change uh, the inside facade, and this would not interfere with that. It actually would work a lot better since you're going to be flattening out some of those spaces on the adjoining walls. This would make for a nice, strong column going up. 
for these for these collages. You may come to the podium. Uh, I do? Yeah. So everyone online can hear you? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's just a, a thought. I, I'm probably the biggest KU supporter you're going to get. I, I, I don't know if you can get enough Jayhawk out there, but I, I would, along with the window question about the fencing, because people drive up and they sit out there in their car and they eat or whatever they want to see the car or the airplanes on the ramp. I just, I just got concerned that we're putting a privacy fence up of such in that area. Now, maybe we put it somewhere else and we do have thousands of acres out there with fencing around it, but I'm not sure that'd be the right place if people want to sit in the parking lot and see, or come up and see if their plane's on the ramp, you know, or whatever. Um, just a thought. We do have that picnic table between the maintenance hangar and the terminal building that people like to sit at, eat lunch, and, and watch aircraft, which that fence wrap may interfere with it. Does anybody have any feeling about um, maybe including, I know, Scott, you may have talked to the people at Haskell. We do have another university here in town and other things that might need to be highlighted at the airport. So I think I'd like to, you know, cogitate a little bit on this and, and sure. work on it a little bit. Yeah, I'd like to yeah, agree with some of those points that, uh, you know, it'd be nice to include Haskell uh, for the wall uh, hangings for the wall art. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'd be a good idea to something have something more aviation centered, um, kind of concentrating on KU's contributions to aviation and that sort of thing, um, to kind of give it an airport feel more than um, uh, you know a, a KU feel. And I also don't like the idea of having the um, uh, window uh, obscured by a picture and I, I like the idea if you can get a fiberglass jayhawk it'd be a great place to take selfies and that would establish a, a KU presence there in the terminal. I think it's a, a big gateway and I, I've never seen any any study but I think a majority of the people flying in commercial or flying in bigger aircraft to the Lawrence Airport are related with the university mm -hmm. and I think having a welcome mat I've flown into to other towns that have really had big announcement of their universities and their local activities that that having some some big pictures like like I, I think it'd be incredible to locate a fiberglass Jayhawk to put out there and just just have a welcome map because we still have a lot of the the sports teams fly in and and as they come into the airport or a lot of the announcers for ESPN things or different different sporting events come in through there so, you know like Dick Vitale and a lot of those guys they fly in and come through that terminal building so it'd be neat to have the uh, the photographs and the welcome to announce people yeah you're in in Lord's campus so thank you so I think that that type of artwork is a long time coming it's also put this on par with other universities that have okay athletic programs that are on that same scale. I know the University of uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State University has a really forward university on a public on public property. So I love the idea of the fence idea. Depending on how translucent it is, um, I think it would be awesome. Um, I could see where potentially coaches would want to take some hold of some of this from the different universities, but I don't know. I think it's super cool. I one of the things. I got to sit with Scott on the board, and the question I asked is, do you know that you're in Lawrence, Kansas, or are you in the middle of nowhere, USA? And that would answer that question immediately when you get on the ground, so it's pretty cool. <clears throat>
Okay. Looks like we have a couple people online. Uh, Larry Kellogg, you want to comment on this item? There, go. I got it unmuted. Yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents worth in. Uh, Larry Kellogg, ALPA ASM, and also an owner and tenant. Um, the I think you should try very hard to protect the view from that window looking out on the ramp. I think it's it's a it's a great architectural statement because of its size and height. And it has everyone else. Is there a lot of other people have said it just. It, you're there to look at airplanes at that point in time or to meet people or see what's going on out on the ramp. So I think you'd want to be careful about obstructing that view any. The other thing I'd like to say is uh, to, you know, kind of support the comments that said, don't forget about Haskell. Uh, when you, you know, you're going to do fence wraps or you're going to do uh, interior decorating ideas, I think you should uh, make sure that Haskell is represented in that as well. Okay. Okay. Is there, is there, anybody else? Want, anybody else want to comment? Got one here. Greg Gardner. Greg Gardner. Do you have a sign as they enter that says "Welcome to Lawrence, home of the University of Kansas and Haskell University"? Nope. Something like that. Mm. There is a little thing on the outside of the terminal. I don't have a picture of it that does have, uh, it has the elevation of the airport. It does have a, a Jayhawk and a Haskell Indian on it, but that, that's about it that I can think of at the airport. Yeah, but not really on the ramp. Get off the airplanes and walk towards. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Thank you, uh, Lauren. I think the, the action chair tonight is, um, just to receive this presentation and then to provide a recommendation to staff uh, on next steps on this. Okay, I think uh, what I'd like to do is uh, maybe have another meeting about this with whoever is interested in, and then make a recommendation to the board. Is May soon enough or do we need to do it sooner, Scott? When does Andy need it? Yeah. Um, the thing about these graphics is, you know, this is something we could add uh, really at any time. It, yeah. It's not tied to the construction of the terminal. Exactly. Yeah. So, how about the wiring for the monitors? Yeah. Um, that's something that we we could possibly work in to the construction schedule. Um, but one of the things I, I mentioned to Lauren is we also have. I don't have a good visual of it. We have several large monitors going up with the project, um, not on these walls, but on the east and west walls and in the uh, pilot's lounge, some rather large viewing monitors that uh, we could also incorporate, you know, information from you know Haskell University uh, or the University of Kansas. We just haven't had time to discuss any uh, programming for those monitors uh, with the project. So uh, that's another possibility. Okay, so do I have any volunteers for uh, like a, another two people on the board to have a I'll vote in. Okay, Jim and David. Okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. One question, Scott, is since construction starting shortly, if this is going to be something that the monitors are going to be wired in there, could it be a consensus tonight that this this body recommends pre-wiring that for the monitors 
with the graphics and everything to be, to be decided later so that those welcome monitors can be pre-wired while they're doing construction. And that way, if things move forward, then, then they are. But even just putting monitors there, whether it's KU or the Chamber of Commerce or you know, whoever's supporting those monitors. Yeah, that the monitors are there to welcome people because I think it's a good idea to have the monitors there. And if we're going to put the wiring in there, it really should be done now rather than than afterwards. And they can put the wrap up over those connections. Scott, you're the um, Well, Kyle is here. I think that's something we could probably change order with the project uh, versus maybe the other monitors. I mean, we don't want to have an overload of monitors in a relatively small terminal lobby, uh, but that's a good idea probably, Richard, if we want to make sure that those changes are, are done with the project in terms of these two particular monitors size and vertical layout uh, on those two walls. Um, now's a good probably time to do it. So the squares that are on this that are covering the uh, stadium and the other side, is that where the monitors would be? Yes. Okay. And if they're wired there, the monitors can change at any time, whether it's huge, small, vertical, horizontal. That's correct. Okay. I guess we need a couple of motions then to form the subcommittee, right? And to fund or to make this change. So uh, do I have a motion to make the committee of, will be me, Jim, and Megan, <laughs> and we'll be working with Scott. So, I will make a motion that we form a subcommittee to further uh, investigate the aesthetics. The, the proposal put in front of us as far as the aesthetics okay. and the, do I have a second? the banners go. I'll second. Okay. Chris Coleman is seconded. Okay. Do a roll call. Roll call. Okay, Richard. Aye. Uh, Dan. Aye. Chris. Aye. Myself. Aye. David. Aye. James. Aye. Tiffany. I think she said aye. <laughs> she did. Her <laughs> mic's muted. She nodded yes. Okay. Aye. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, after the meeting, let's figure out when we can get together. Okay. Thank you, Lauren. We'll be in Thank touch. You. Thank you. That's wonderful. Much. Thanks. All right. Uh, are we ready for item D3, I believe? Yes. Uh, I've got a short staff report on that item, Chair, and then okay. we'll turn it over to Brett Holt of Garver. Let me pull up that agenda item. So since our last meeting, a lot has happened. Uh, let me tell you, uh, we jumped, staff jumped right on this recommendation of the CIP subcommittee uh, to move forward with uh, improvements to the T-hanger taxi lanes. Uh, we immediately uh, reached out to Garver and FAA staff to see if we could possibly use our, our bill, bipartisan infrastructure law funds that have been allocated to our airport for this project. We had a meeting on December 1st uh, with Garver city staff and FAA central region staff to discuss a possible schedule and see if we could push this uh, forward in 2023. With um, a, a lot of, uh, I would say, effort, we were able to uh, convince FAA to, yes, let us go forward with that. And so we already had this project budgeted for design work in 2022. So we had funds already set aside 
And on December 2nd, FAA notified the city that uh, we would receive an amount of $599,580 of bill funds uh, towards this project. Uh, we'll also be able to utilize our two Kansas Airport Improvement Program grants from 2021 and the total amount of 184435 for this project as well. So we've got a good funding stream identified and um, the FAA has given us a super aggressive schedule with this project. <laughs> so we hit the ground running. They wanted an engineering agreement with Garver by uh, December 9th, uh, which city staff was able to accomplish. They wanted 30% uh, design reports by January 6th, which uh, Garver was able to accomplish. They wanted 90% engineering reports by last Friday. Uh, again, Garver was able to accomplish. So we've we've hit all of our targets uh, so far. Uh, we need to uh, submit this to bid by the end of February, uh, plan bid openings by the end of March, and get our grant applications to FAA by April 1st. Um, I've had a couple questions in terms of, do you guys have a schedule for this project yet in terms of when uh, taxi lanes are going to be closed or inaccessible? And we just don't have that level of detail yet because we don't uh, have it moved that far along in the project and, and don't have um, a contractor identified. But the, those are our next steps with the uh, uh, probably 100% uh, plans and moving forward uh, with this project. And tonight's action really for the board is just to review the plans, especially the uh, uh, construction safety and phasing plans, which I gave you hard copies on the DS for all the members here tonight. And Brett Holt from Garver um, is gonna review those uh, safety plans for us. And let's see if I can get that pulled up. Fred, are you still there? Yep, yep, I am here. Can you guys hear me all right? Yes, we can. Okay, then perfect. Jump forward to those. Well, I've got, uh, I think, the whole um, package posted, Brett. So you can start talking or share your screen if yeah. you want. Um, let's see. Yeah, I should be able to do that here. Uh, oh, it doesn't look like it'll let me. Let me share my okay. screen. Um, so moving to the 90% submittal, um, we kind of condensed this project down into two different phases. Uh, the intent there was to both limit the amount of closures for these uh, T hangers in this area, as well as limit the amount of mobilizations the contractor would have to have on this project. Uh, the two phases we've got shown um, seem to do that that pretty well. I know there were <clears throat> some comments or questions about uh, tenant access. Um, and Scott, that so this is what what Scott's got on his screen was what we had at the thirty percent design, and the the red and the green have now been combined into the first phase. Um, so the intent here is the red area is going to be a three inch mill and overlay. And we will utilize those millings to build up the subgrade for taxi lanes A and B. We know under taxi lane A, we've got some really poor subgrade that we'll have to remove. I believe it's to a depth of 36 inches. So we'll just use those millings uh, to build that up. So looking at that, that's kind of how we, uh, or that was part of what kind of went into 
developing these phasing plans. Um, and I know there were a, a couple of tenant comments, um, one being about access to these T hangers during the construction for aircraft maintenance and whatnot. And we will uh, we'll be able to accommodate access throughout construction to the hangars. Um, and there was a another comment about um, aircraft getting access to the taxiway. And with this phasing setup we have, there will be during phase two, um, when we're gonna be coming through and reconstructing, reconstructing taxi lane A, as well as getting everything paved, that there won't really be access to taxiway C. Um, right now we're kind of looking at about 20 days for that. Um, but during phase one, which is shown in red and green on the, the sheet Scott's got up there, um, we'll still have access for um, the Southern T hangers that that red area will be a milled surface. So as long as we can tug um, aircraft to taxi lane A, they'll still have access to taxiway C throughout phase one. Um, so it'll really just be during that phase two, which is that purple area shown there, that um, we won't have access to taxiway C. Um, and I think I think there was discussion potentially about a temporary taxiway um, coming around the south side of those two hangars, and then up to the north on the west side and connecting in a taxiway C. Um, and I kind of looked at that initially. Um, we do have it's tight, but we would have the clearance between the southern hangars and the fence line. But you can kind of see those those white dots to the south of the pavement. Those are valves for the water line that runs through there. So those would restrict our our traffic through there. Um, the other issue we'd have with that is just getting a stand of grass, um, I don't think would be possible by the time we get to construction. And I know those the mats are, are pretty pricey um, to be able to hold aircraft through that area. Um, and I think that the most important thing is uh, with a project duration, I think we've got it shortened to 37 days overall. I don't see that as something that FAA would be willing to pay for. So it would likely have to come out as city costs. I haven't done a kind of in-depth in the weeds um, cost estimate on, on what that would be, but my guess was with the additional mobilization, it'd probably be somewhere around 100 grand to, to get that done. Um, with the exception of that that southern portion, since we've got those those valves there. Well, let's see. I think I discuss the, the uh, drainage improvements uh, that we have planned too. Yeah, I can flip to those sheets real quick. So, really, what we looking out there? Um, I know there's some drainage issues along, and I Scott, I don't think this set will have that in there yet, the 30%. Um, but along the western side of uh, T-Hanger A there, um, I know there's some drainage issues on that northwest side. So as we're widening um, taxi lane B, we'll also be dropping that profile to meet the longitudinal grade criteria, which should um, push water away from that building uh, more efficiently than it does now, I guess. Um, so we won't have those the drainage issues on that that northwest side of that hangar. We're also going to be those 
uh, PVC pipes are that Scott's pointing at. We're going to increase the size of those. Right now, they're they're four inches and in pretty bad shape. So we'll be bumping those up to six inches. So with the the additional grade and the increased pipe size there, we should get should get rid of all the um, drainage issues we're having on the west side of that hangar. Moving to the east side, uh, right there, kind of by Eurotech, we know there's some some more drainage issues. So we're going to regrade that area and add a pipe that crosses under taxi lane A and ties into the structure south of the T hangar there. So that should help alleviate that as well. Those are really the, the big two drainage improvements there. Um, replacing these pipes up closer to taxiway C, those are just, those are in fairly bad shape. I know one of them was, honestly, I couldn't even find it. <laughs> I had to dig around a little bit, so it was completely covered and crushed in. So once we get those open back up, it should allow for that free flow of water to to get back out to that structure and over to uh, the entrance road. Fred, is there some planned grading out in this area too? Yes, yep, there's that existing swale that kind of runs along the western edge of Taxi Lane B right now. So that'll get pushed out further to the west. Uh, so it'll look essentially like it does now, just moved out 30 feet or so to the west. So really the, the drainage patterns will, will stay the same. Um, we'll just get them improved with the new pipes and, and increased grades in some of those areas. Hey, Scott. Yep. Uh, one question is on the uh, the drain where it goes underneath taxiway B. There were some sinkholes and some water that seemed to be leaching from under other areas. Do, will that be addressed with the, the repairs there? Brett, you want to talk about that if you heard Richard's question? Yeah, and I believe, are you talking about kind of in that area um, where that existing CMP goes underneath taxi lane B? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The pipe was new, but there was moisture leaching around it that was eroding and creating sinkholes outside of that drain pipe. Yes. Yep. So that'll be that area will be taken up with the reconstruction of uh, Taxi Lane B, and we're going to replace that CMP with a, a reinforced concrete pipe, um, making sure we get the correct bedding and everything in there. So this this subgrade will be reworked. Uh, I did notice looking at it uh, in the field, it looked like a lot of it might actually be surface runoff just based on the uh, the erosion around the pipe coming from the edge of the pavement. But since we are reconstructing that that area there, we should uh, eliminate that. Brad, I was going to get down to the 90% uh, drawings, if there was any updates there. Sorry, I've got the whole agenda packet <laughs> open. Yeah, and this is kind of a, a brief overview of the eligible and ineligible areas based on FAA's criteria. Can you talk about what that means, Brett? Yeah, so ba basically the FAA's rules are they won't pay for really anything outside of the required uh, taxi lane width. 
and they won't pay for or they won't participate in in any of the the drive lanes up to the hangar doors. So what you see in blue there uh, is is the ineligible portion that would require potentially that KDOT funding. And then the red is what the FAA will actually cover as part of this project. Thank you. Other comments? Doug, are we ready for Doug? Um, yes, this, is, this, this is Ron Rains. I've got a comment on the, the schedule. Uh, just two questions. One, is the, is the total project 37 days or just the period when there's not going to be access to the hangars 37 days? The entire project is 37 days. Um, there will be tenant access to the hangars throughout the project. Um, it's really just that that second phase where everything's going to kind of be torn up before they get ready to pave that that aircraft access won't be available. How, how many days? How many days is that, Brad? We're kind of anticipating around 20 for that right now. Um, my hope is they can get that shortened up um, once they get out there. They'll have should have a majority of the earthwork done during phase one. So. Once they get everything torn up for taxi lane A, it shouldn't take a whole lot for them to get that built back up and then just get everything paved in one one swoop. Is is there any way to split up the taxi lane A and taxi lane B, I guess, so that you could you could shorten the time when there would not be access to the hangers by the tenants? There is. Um, what you get into then is kind of the time between their paving operations and how long they are willing to keep their paving equipment out there and not have to remove it or anything. Um, so that that's why we have it set up the way it is. Once we get a contractor, um, that is something we can kind of work with them and, and, you know, depending on what they've got on their schedule, if they're willing to let their equipment sit out there while they're, they're waiting to get to a, a new phase, there is potential for that. Just thought I'd raise that to, because, you know, for, for the people that got their airplanes in there, um, you know, 20 days for non-access is, you know, quite a long time. Uh, <laughs> if you can shorten that, that'd really be good for them. I would like to throw out that I, I've also talked to um, Brian Pope with Lifestar, Ron, and they, they uh, still have some space in the hangar that you occupy that they'd be willing to work with our tenants and on uh, during this project. So we could probably get, Ron, you would probably know best how many um, airplanes could fit on uh, in that portion of the hangar. Yeah, they'd probably be able to get about at most two or three most three, probably two pretty easily without any impact to the Lifestar operation. Um, and yeah, so we, we can work, you know, that, that's, a, that's a good suggestion for those folks. And I don't know, Lloyd may have some space in his hangars for them, them as well, so. Okay, I think Doug's turn now. Hi, um, greetings everyone, and thanks for the opportunity to speak. I'm Doug Tillman. I'm a tenant of Hangar Charlie 8, and I have uh, a Vans RV home-built airplane in there. 
And um, I've read uh, the the plan and looked at the ninety uh, percent <clears throat> uh, design plan, and my initial reaction was um, <clears throat> looking at the forty-two day schedule. Um, that looked uh, optimistic. The thirty-five day schedule looks to me wildly optimistic, um, assuming that there won't be any weather delays, equipment delays, problems that crop up with underground utilities and things like that. It is a kind of a complex project. And once you remove that asphalt, you're kind of stuck and um, you're stuck until it's repaved. I appreciate the, the idea that we might be able to get planes in and out of there even after taxiway Charlie is, is milled three inches down. I don't think you'd be able to get my plane through there because there's a very small gap. It, it, mine's on the in between uh, Bravo and Charlie. There's a concrete drainage channel that runs down the center of that that would not be taken out. There isn't enough room between the concrete pads and that channel to taxi through there, I don't believe. And also just getting down off of the concrete pad outside the hangar onto the area that's been milled and then back up again on the toward hangar or um, uh, taxiway alpha would probably be a, prob a problem even if you're tugging the plane. I, I just don't know whether that would work or not. So my proposal that I, that I sent um, all of you was the idea of a grass temporary taxiway around getting around the south and west sides of um, BNC <clears throat> so that that area around BNC could possibly be uh, milled and repaved as a separate phase uh, either during or before or after the, the part north of there around a hangar is being done with all the underground work because there's really, as I understand it, no underground work being done around a hangar's BNC except for that electrical vault on the north side of yeah. Charlie. As far as I know, yeah. Correct. Correct, Scott. Um, so I, I just hope that um, the schedule is, is you know, uh, realistic. And if, if it's done in 35 days uh, for the repaving part, and I think the other two days is just for the marking later on, um, you know, that's not too bad. Seven weeks, you could probably live with that. And again, the impact depends on when it happens. If it goes longer than that, if it gets to be two months or longer than that, that is going to be a significant problem for hangar tenants who need to use their planes on a regular basis. Uh, I did walk that route that I'm proposing for a grass taxiway yesterday, and, and he's right. It would not be that easy. Um, a lot of it you could probably taxi over right now. I could probably get my plane out around there. Some of it is a drainage area and would need to be built up, uh, solidified. And then there's um, a ditch on the south side of Taxiway Charlie that is too deep and would need to have a tube and a, and a ramp put over that. Um, there's also a fire hydrant. I don't know if you can see it on the map there. There's a fire hydrant about 30 feet south of the southwest corner of, of that area around um, building Bravo. And I could taxi through there. My wingspan is about 24 feet. Others might have a problem with that. So there are issues. 
the two um, during the, the the valve enclosures that he mentioned are far enough east that I don't think they'd be in the way for uh, for coming around the east side of um, Charlie Hanger. Um, so I I'm I guess I'm pr proposing a couple of things that some consideration be given to uh, that grass taxiway and the rephasing that would be necessary for the areas around BNC to be milled and then repaved within a, a you know as short a period of as possible so that we can still get our planes out around the south. Um, I'm not proposing that the city spend hundred thousand dollars to do that. Um, I, I'm not sure it's worth doing that. I was thinking it, you know, it might be something that we could do without a with a minimum of expense, and so I think it's worth looking at. But um, uh, it may not be feasible. I don't know. Um, I'm very glad that this is getting done. I'm really happy about it. I don't want to do anything to delay the process. Let's get this construction done and out of the way and have great paving again. And I'll be happy to answer any questions. Everybody? I just had one comment, Doug. I do like your drawing with the taxiway going from B hangers or toward uh, taxiway Delta. I think that would be kind of handy to have in the future, but yeah, I think to, to even put a temporary one in would be kind of a challenge. Yeah. But I like that drawing. Thanks for the work, Doug. <laughs> Doug, um, obviously uh, we've passed this on to Brett Holder, design engineers, and um, the, we'll, we'll take a further look at this and, and see what we can do. Okay. I guess that's all that we need to do on there. Is that correct? I think we've got the feedback we need, Chair. Right, and anybody we're... else? Any other comments? Is anybody outside waiting to say anything? Is anybody online waiting to comment? Comment. Okay. I guess I just have one question, Scott. Is Scott, once the uh, once the construction the, dates construction are set, dates are will set, a uh, will a formal notice go out to all the? T hangar tenants so that they'll know if they do need to move their aircraft to relocate it, they can and kind of an idea of when they'll be interrupted. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. As soon as we have a tight construction schedule, we'll get it that pushed out to all the T hangar tenants and we'll have a pre construction meeting uh, that will include the T hangar tenants for sure so that everyone is on the same page um, and is fully aware of the project, who the contractor will be um, for sure. Okay, I have a couple of comments I'd like to make. Um, would, is Lloyd still here? No. He is still there. I didn't see you, Lloyd. Is Hetrick going to be able to help people move airplanes if they need to be moved during this construction phase? Because I know there's going to be a lip, isn't there, when they start the milling, right? So are we talking about when they when it's just milled up and you don't want yeah, taxi? Yeah, yeah, just need oh, just we, towing we, them for for. People. I can't imagine that would be a very much call for that. So yeah, we try okay. to try to accommodate, and we we'll just have to look at what we've got for hangar space yeah. as well. If we can get 
two or three people that need to be and we can't, we can't arrange for tie downs on the ramp right if people want to work that case, way uh, and i know that when we were working on um 1533 and it was closed for what week or 10 days or whatever yeah i just checked around at other airports to see if they had community hangar or hangar space and they did yeah. So Ottawa did, and maybe there are a couple other airports around that might, if you really feel like you need it during the the schedule. So. I think a lot will come out when we have the dates. People know when they need to fly and stuff. But uh -huh. yeah, we we'd open up, see what we could accommodate, and okay, go that route. So. All right, because we'll probably need some help. <laughs> Okay. And I did fail to mention the city, of course, would rebate or, or adjust our billing in third or fourth quarter billing cycles for any time that your uh, the project is impacting the, the teen angry tenants. Okay. I guess we're um, is, is there a comment online? We can't quite hear someone speaking. Scott, this is Larry Kellogg again. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you and Brett both for getting this moved up to where it's it's actually happening instead of just being a figment of our imagination. It, this is a project that's really needed to be done for quite some time, and I think it's great that you put this effort into it. I appreciate that, Larry. Um, you know, certainly um, there's a lot of funding in my mind floating around out there with this bill legislation. The city has allocated $295,000 at least annually for the next five years. So the, this project is, is eating just two years of that and uh, there, there's more to come. It's a great thing and keep up the good work. Thank you again. Thank you. And I'll just make one more comment. I would like to thank the committee that made the recommendations on that. That's Tiffany and Richard worked hard to get the recommendations going so that we could get this moving. So thanks a lot. Okay, next is Jason. Uh, pr pronounce your last name for me again. Lawlicker uh, from Southern Star uh, Natural Gas Company. They've got quite a project going on citywide and they're gonna walk us through a, a presentation on their project. Thank you for allowing Southern Star <clears throat> to present our upcoming 2023 project to replace our existing four inch EV line with a new 16 inch EVA line. Before I get started, I wanted to, in to introduce some of the people from Southern Star who have helped get this project off the ground and have been instrumental in getting this project to where it is today. Bob Bat, our leader of land services, John James, our leader of design engineering. Evan Emery is our design engineer that's uh, running this project. And of course, myself, which is the local land representative here in Lawrence. These, these four people, as well as a large team of our folks, have been designing, reviewing, reaching out to private landowners, municipalities, and Douglas County to get this project to where it stands today. Southern Star currently operates an existing four-inch line known as our EV line. The original line was put in approximately 1947. This line begins at our setting right off of Highway 24 and 32, goes west of 59 Highway, and then turns north. This line currently provides gas service to Midland Grain Elevator, as well as domestic customers along the line. The Lawrence Energy Center, which we currently serve gas to and we'll discuss later, has requested additional gas capacity to be serviced to them. They're looking for more gas in order to be able to use more green technology in the future, solar and wind, 
as well as decrease their usage of coal in order to produce electricity for our community, a greener approach per se for the Lawrence community. Our existing feed into the Evergy plant is an eight inch line known to us as our ESA line. This line was built in the late 1920s in Western Lawrence, which at the time was mainly agricultural and rural areas. As the population of Lawrence has increased, today this line lays in neighborhoods, commercial developments, and churches. With the age of this line and where it lays today, it makes it impossible to put a new 16-inch line back into the existing footprint. We'd also not want to put it back into heavily populated areas of Lawrence. Thus, a plan was formed to abandon the, ES line, the ESA line in West Lawrence and review ideas about laying a ladder line in a more rural area to, to increase our capacity to the Lawrence Energy Center. We are proposing tonight a 5.5 mile 16 inch ladder line known as our new EVA line. This line will start at Highway 2432 at our existing facility, run parallel with our existing EV line as much as possible to Highway 59, then continue west along 1900 Road, ultimately landing south of the Kansas River and then boring under the river and entering the Lawrence Energy Center property, being able to serve them more capacity. Presently, as you know, our existing EV line runs underneath the Lawrence Airport. Tonight, we are proposing being in, via an HDD bore across the airport. This HDD bore will start and end on both the east and west sides of the airport, entering and exiting on private landowners and not affecting the airport's operation in any way during construction. Southern Star Engineering Team has been working closely with our third-party engineering group to, to design this board to meet all industry standards to complete this board, all doing so in the safest of manners. In our PowerPoint presentation tonight, we will show you the existing line EV specs as it was, as it was relayed in 2008, the lands affected that are owned by the City of Lawrence, and the HDD board profile for the new EVA line. We also have a map of where our existing ESA line is in West Lawrence, so you can see how the retirement of this line will be beneficial to the city of Lawrence. As we scroll through this, if there are any questions throughout, please let me know. So what you're looking at today is where the EV line runs underneath the runways in the airport. This, this particular drawing was done back in approximately 2008. Uh, the city of Lawrence requested that we uh, move this line further north or south. We agreed to do it. And this was the drawing that uh, came out. So this shows you where EV is today underneath the uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Airport. This particular drawing, this one doesn't have the airport on it. <laughs> Due to a condemnation case for the Mud Creek levee, there are certain portions of city of Lawrence property that the easement would cross. Uh, the pipeline would not be on these properties, but the 66 foot wide easement would actually encumber some of the city of Lawrence's property there. Up here along Mud Creek, maybe? Correct, correct. This would actually be underneath the city of Lawrence airport. You can see the yellow dot on the very Eastern side there. Uh, that's KU endowment property. Uh, we would we would obviously propose to them to uh, start the bore there. Um, we would go across the airport property underneath that. 
You see the bore profile drawing shows you how deep we would be underneath those um, uh, runways um, and uh, you know airport property. Uh, we would we would actually be deeper than what the existing EV line is today. And how deep would you be, Jason? Uh, take a look here. I don't want to put you on the spot. Are you, are you going through bedrock in that area? Is that what I gleaned out of the larger description you sent? Yeah, we did some geotechnical boring out there um, just to get some rock samples. Uh, obviously, didn't do it on the airport, but on the endowment property on both the east and west sides. Um, we like rock, okay? So uh, rock's good for us. It helps with no more frack outs or anything like that. Um, and we do believe that we will be in rock when we go underneath the airport. Jason, what does HDD stand for? It means a horizontal directional drill. Okay, thank you. I saw it on there. No, you know what I meant. no problem. Thanks. Scott, to answer your question, I don't know if you can hear me. This is Evan Emery, the design engineer on the team. Uh, while Jason is um, preparing other documents, you asked how deep underneath the airport we're proposing to install our line. We would be approximately 100 feet deep within six inches. And under each of the active airports, we would maintain that 100 foot depth until we clear to where we either are ascending the bore or descending when we're actually putting the pipe in the ground. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. This this uh, final final picture shows, um, and you can only see it on the, the, there's a yellow dot just on the other side of that road that runs uh, north-south there. Um, that's where we would actually exit again on, on, on private landowner. Uh, of course, we're gonna be boring underneath all the roads. So this particular <laughs> bore would be a longer bore for us, but it would kind of kill two birds with, with, with one stone by getting the road as well as the airport itself. Like right, right here, Jason. No, I think it's further back over, closer to the road, further on the east side. Oh, like Scott, on that particular drawing, that that where your cursor is, that uh, that's the site that Jason's referring to. That's approximately fourteen to fifteen hundred feet west of the western fence line for the airport property. Gotcha. And so, with all the um, Millings that come out of your boring, you'll obviously haul those off. That's all taken care of in the actual boring process. So, um, one of uh, you know one of the reasons why we're kind of here today, not only to explain it to you, um, we do obviously have an agreement with the city of Lawrence uh, for the EV line underneath the uh, uh, airport. Uh, that that particular agreement. Uh, uh, restrains us to a four inch line. And we tried to do some research and I've talked to a few people at the city of uh, Lawrence about why that particular uh, uh, diameter restriction was given to us at that time, um, have been able to come up with not a real good answer. Um, so the uh, agreement that's in place right now would uh, need to be amended. Um, I did send to Scott, I did not put a part of this, uh, just a general easement agreement that, that, that we would be looking for um, that, would, that would eliminate that so that the 16 inch line could you know, go uh, through there. Okay, uh, 
I didn't know who who would need to see that, but since I was dealing with the city of Lawrence itself, uh, wanted to get that in your hands, and you know, ultimately uh, to the council and the uh, powers that be on that. Yeah, Jason, I, I'll be the primary point of contact on on that aspect of it too. Part of my other hats is uh, easement acquisition for the city, so I work oh, with good. utility contractors uh, daily on that, and uh, we'll also need to get FAA review on the easement language. So there'll be some process with that as well. But I'll, I'll be your primary point Perfect. of contact. Perfect, Scott. Okay. So I think I've got one final drawing in here. Uh, this is well, not I've got two, but but this one is actually the uh, bore profile drawing uh, specific to the bore across the airport. Okay, um, this is a engineered drawing, and uh, I'm not an engineer, so if you, if you have any questions, I would I'd, I'd refer them to uh, Evan on the on the Zoom call. <laughs> Blank with that pipe being 100 feet down below the runway surfaces, you know, myself, I, I can't foresee any issues with the airport ever going that low. Most of our stuff's done pretty high up with, even if it's putting in new runway lights, taxi lights, or mm -hmm. if we extend the runways, or I don't see any impeding there as long as the, I guess, the easement agreement and the uh, FAA has agreed with, with the, the line, which I don't see any structural reason not to. Okay. I have a question about operations. Um, when you decommission the, the four inch line and mm -hmm. commission the 16 inch line, mm -hmm. what is the procedure? Is, is there a protocol that would require uh, closing the airport for a few hours while you do that or anything like that? I, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I, I, we don't we don't believe from our um, from our engineering people that, that there would be any effect in on a you know at all airport operation because i i can't see how it would bother us at all while you're doing no. work since right it's outside the airport property Correct. i just didn't know whether when you de decommission and no the uh activate the, the uh, four inch line that, that's that's currently there right now um it will be cut and capped at at, at roads it's filled up with grout or okay um, underneath the roads, it will be yeah. filled with grout so that it will never be able to be, be used yeah. again. Um, it will be abandoned in place. Uh, we found that that's obviously a more environmental way to do it uh, than uh, try to, you know, rip it out and, and, and cause a whole heck of a lot more uh, issues. How deep is the four-inch line now? Uh, I don't know. Do you know how deep it is, Bob? I know when they did the relocation... 2008 it was shallow enough that it had to be relocated because I think the extension of the runway, the taxiways to get to the mm. runway one time. But yeah, that's, you know, at that time, what the depth was. So. I was going to say, because I think at that time it was like only like 16 inches down that it was, there was some interference where yeah. now going from 16 inches to 100 feet, that's that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Jason said, it's been there for a while. So, yep. you know, all the time. Erosion and things stop starting to get shallow. All right. Hey, Doug. Yeah. Question. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you would come to the microphone though, Doug, so the people online can hear you. Um, does the boring process through bedrock like that ever cause enough vibration that it causes a problem with paving on the surface? Uh, I'll kind of throw that over to Evan. Um, Evan, did you hear the question? I did. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, it should not. Um, I assume you're, 
concerned about either uh, finishing paving or uh, leveling or compaction. Um, the depths, the depths that we are going, and the rate at which we're removing material is um, carefully designed by um, specialty contractors, not general contractors. Uh, we don't remove the drill profile all at once. Um, we, we drill a pilot hole similar to you know general home construction. Um, and then we make several reaming passes to gradually remove material um, to a designed and um, industry standard diameter so that we can feed pipe into the profile. But long answer short, we shouldn't be disturbing any sort of surface activities or surface, um, well, yeah, activities that, that you're preparing during that time if, if the schedules should overlap. What's the timeline for drilling? Well, right now, uh, we will, uh, uh, we're currently in the process of land acquisition, uh, you know, meeting with the landowners through, throughout the line. Um, we would like to do our uh, FERC filing uh, in April 11th. Uh, that would give us, uh, those usually take around 60 to 70 days to get passed. Um, if 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 everything goes well in the way that we anticipate it to, uh, construction would be somewhere middle of June, first part of July this year. We would hopefully finalize by end of the year. Uh, this is just one 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 final slide I wanted to add in here. Um, uh, this is our current ESA line that feeds the Evergy Power Plant. Uh, as I said earlier, this one was built in the late 20s. Um, you can see now today that it's in quite a few neighborhoods, uh, developments. It starts right behind High B there, over there on 23rd and Clinton, and runs all the way up to uh, you know Evergy. So 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 putting in a 16-inch line right there um, would be extremely difficult, and we'd have a lot of upset landowners out there, uh, you know, with that. So. Uh, uh, you know, we feel like by retiring this particular line, um, it's going to have a good effect on the community. I know the guys over Monterey Way that see the pipeline markers out there are going to absolutely really like that fact. Exactly. Yes, this one will completely get shut down and retired. Now on this one, just for city purposes, um, and I'm working with uh, Steve Steve House from I'm the city engineer. You know, as far as cutting and capping on, you know, underneath all the roads, grouting underneath the roads, and 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 setting up traffic control plans and whatnot. This particular part of the project will not occur until after the new line obviously gets in and is is flowing. So this line marked in red is it 16 inches deep? Is it? No, that one's uh, well. I mean, that one probably varies in depth. Um, it, it's it. It could be sixteen inches in in certain parts. It could be three feet in other parts. Um, really, depths. You know, depths is a question that we get all the time, and and the and we don't have a software that tells us exactly what depth it is. We usually send one of our operations crews out to to locate it, or if we have to pothole it, or you know, probe it or whatever the case is. Yeah. So sobering. Mm -hmm. 16 inches, yeah. Ron, do you have a, a question? I see your hand raised. 
Yeah, just just a general comment. I think this is a really good project for Lawrence. You know, from a from a green energy standpoint, I like it. From from the airport impact, I think there's going to be very minimal, um, which is good. Uh, you know, on the north end of the airport, that's really good. There, I mean, I, I think we all know that there's always the potential possibility that you have some problems when you're drilling, and if that happens right underneath the runway, any agreement we make with the energy company Scott, we should make sure that that. If that has to happen, that there's gonna, not going to be any impacts to runways in case they have a breakdown and they got to dig down to recover their drilling thing. The likelihood of that happening, we realize, is very low, but I think we all realize it's not zero. And so we just ought to make sure the airport's protected in, in, in case something like that might happen. Okay. More, Jason? No, just, uh, I mean, you know, my only question, I'm kind of, I'm kind of new to this, just from this point forward, uh, work with Scott in regards to the easement, um, and, uh, uh, and that other question about the increased line size, right? Yes. And I'll, I'll get with Scott. I, I think I may have sent that agreement over to Steve Housegroom initially. Uh, but if not, we can definitely get a copy of that for him and, and, uh, Get that reviewed. Okay, great. Any other questions? Board? Okay. Anybody? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The next item is the five year capital improvement plan. I got the yeah, right? let me pull that memo up and we'll get to that item. As uh, you guys know, annually we update our FAA CIP list. Um, this is different from the city's internal uh, CIP capital improvement program. However, for budgeting uh, purposes, um, we, we do try to mirror both the, the city CIP process and um, the FAA uh, CIP uh, process as well. So um, we didn't have a lot of changes uh, this year um, and last year's uh, kind of five-year plan. So our plan kind of is broken down into one to five-year periods, six to 10-year periods, and then uh, 11 uh, to 15 or you know, kind of super long-term projects. So last year, this was kind of our uh, top priority list of projects. Uh, we have updated uh, the cost uh, that we're projecting uh, thank you, gentlemen, uh, through uh, our engineering firm Garver uh, to make sure that uh, FAA, it's really kind of a, a budgeting item for FAA in terms of updating our data sheets so that they can properly uh, budget for these projects in terms of uh, the FAA uh, airport improvement program as well. Uh, one thing that we did add uh, in April of 2022 uh, to the taxiway A uh, upgrades was installation of LED lighting um, because Garver staff thought that that would be a good time to do that. Uh, and those costs were estimated to be 584,000 uh, additional dollars uh, to do that upgrade. So we added that to uh, kind of the short-term list of projects. 
Last year, we had added a sanitary sewer study because we knew how important that was and we thought we could get uh, some possibly some FAA funding for that. It, it's okay to kind of remove that study because uh, um, the city is funding that on our own dime now. So that has been removed uh, from the five-year list. I've tried this year to really kind of mirror uh, the city's adopted uh, CIP uh, program uh, because we have a, a better feel for what projects are kind of in play uh, right now with FAA. And we certainly have uh, the adopted uh, city's CIP plan. I kind of updated how we present this information in terms of the federal fiscal years we're looking at because this year's discussion will be for FAA will be their 20 to 24 to 2028 cycle versus putting a uh, a date on these items, which I think is confusing. You know, I, I, I've seen those uh, on these memos in the past, and I think that's misleading uh, because as Kyle and I discovered when we uh, went to visit with FAA staff in April of last year, along with Garver staff, we came out of that meeting thinking that we would have a couple projects funded in the 2023 cycle. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, they didn't fare well, uh, according to kind of feedback from FAA and Garver in terms of all the other central region projects. So I think a better description is to just kind of simply have those in the five-year short-term list. These are the projects in play. And as I said in my memo, uh, staff, we're gonna take direction from you guys in terms of this uh, CIP subcommittee as to what to really push with FAA staff in terms of uh, the next projects. Certainly, we had your recommendation from the November meeting that the taxiway A and uh, apron rehab are at the top of the to-do list. And we all agree uh, that those are uh, the very next things that need to be improved. Um, a couple other changes uh, to talk about here. Uh, the taxi lane rehab project, obviously we're moving forward in that so we can take that off of our short-term list. Reconstruction of the airport access road, I still have that uh, shown. It's also on the city's uh, CIP um, list. Hopefully we can find the funding to uh, be able to remove that this year too. If we can uh, get a second round of this ATP right. program grant or be able to apply um, our NPE funds from the past couple uh, years of that. I still have this project listed. Um, this was to build out the taxi lane to serve the new uh, Hetrick hangars that have been proposed. Um, Let's see how we have those costs estimated. Um, those were kind of cost estimates from a year ago, as we have heard from that development group uh, in 2022. Um, that project is expanded. Uh, the length of that taxiway uh, will be expanded. So we'll need to get some updated numbers uh, uh, from Dream Air as that project moves forward this year. And we can update um, the data sheets really at any time uh, on that. Um, Finally, I've added an addendum to our discussion tonight, uh, and, and I'll just read it. In early January, I spoke with representatives of Hetrick Air Services Ownership Group about a project to expand the, the length of runway 1533 at the airport. That group has been in discussions with the University of Kansas and with our federal legislative delegation about seeking additional assistance and support for this expansion, which would allow for larger charter aircraft to land at the Lawrence Regional Airport. 
we discussed how this project has been in our short-term priority list, but we removed it in 2021. Uh, this was kind of right about the time uh, I was, Amanda Sahin was uh, still airport manager, but I was starting to mm -hmm. sit in on your meetings uh, because of the fact that um, we had all these short-term improvements uh, that needed to be worked on and FAA, just the central region staff, just was not gonna support uh, keeping that in the short-term list. It's still out there in our uh, longer-term uh, priority timeframe, so that that data sheet is still out there. So I discussed um, with the ownership group that you know instead of seeking uh, FAA CIP funds for that expansion, what we really needed to, to talk about is what was previously known as a congressional earmark. Uh, they like to call them today congressionally directed uh, spending authorizations. And those are back in play now in terms of Congress. We've had some initial discussions with KDOT Aviation and Garver Engineering about this project. And Garver believes that the initial step would be to do a feasibility study to indicate all the needed airport improvements uh, that would be required to support such an expansion and updated costs. If federal support could be achieved for this project, this would likely free up a lot of our bill funds and federal CIP dollars to use towards some of our priority projects uh, at the airport. Initial thoughts from Garber staff is that, you know, we needed to widen taxiway A probably to 50 feet to support uh, larger aircraft uh, size categories landing on the primary runway. We would really need to look at expansion of the apron, the strengthening of the apron, and we would need additional probably five to six inches of asphalt on the primary runway as well. And since this memo was put out to you guys, we had an initial meeting on uh, Friday out, out at the airport uh, with Lloyd, representatives of Hetrick Air Services, lots of key city staff, including the city manager, uh, the director of our uh, MSO, uh, Melissa Sieben was there, uh, Garver staff and Bob Brock of KDOT Aviation um, to talk about this project and what it would mean for Lawrence. Uh, Bob Brock of KDOT was certainly supportive of the project and uh, they gave initial indications that they would be willing to, to study a feasibility study uh, and get Garver moving on that, um, which could be done you know, relatively quickly, probably within a 30 to 60 day timeframe. So with that, I will turn it over to you guys for discussion of the five-year CIP. How much runway are they looking to add? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we're looking at about additional 600 feet. So in um, the master plan that was completed in 2011, 2012, uh, there's a couple different scenarios for how to do that on either the north or the south end of uh, 1533. So those are things that Garver will look at with a feasibility study. That's a good question. Yeah. Was, I don't, was that in the master plan? I think the master plan was only to the south. Only to the south. And then just recently the feasibility study came through within the last couple of years of the addition to the, to the north, that the additional asphalt to the north would be a displaced threshold were the and which would be a lot cheaper as far as cost goes to expand the runway that way. We're going to the south, there'd be a lot more groundwork and they'd have to relocate a lot of the instrument approach equipment, lighting and things like that. And Highway 40. Well, uh, not, not initially. 
to go to 6,000 feet, Highway 40 wouldn't have to be moved. Mm -hmm. If you go to 6,500 or 7,000 feet, then Highway 40 would need to be moved. And 7,000 feet going to the north or south would be the ultimate because the turnpike would be the elevation obstruction at that time. Yeah. But um, the displaced threshold is a, an option to look at. But the I know with the aircraft that have been coming in and the concerns that I've heard, 6,000 feet is is the uh, the number that they're looking for, which the 600 feet would take us over the 6,000 feet mark. But if we're going to do the runway extension to ex accept those aircraft, we really need to expand the ramp, which we've run out of space multiple times this year in parking aircraft for busy weekends. And then whatever the study would show as far as if we need the bigger ramp, we need the runway, the taxiway, get all those numbers together to, to make sure that it's done right. And I know there's concerns with more aircraft coming into the Lawrence Airport with the Panasonic plant being there, that maybe some of that traffic will come our way as well. Scott, is any kind of ramp extension in this? Yep, I have it right here in the memo. Which um, is it? Um, oh, Fancy, that's something that we'll, Garber will look at. It's okay. it, The ramp is in the longer six to 10 oh, year great. time frame, uh, which uh, you can see in this chart here. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the mm, time frame we're looking at for this, this runway extension? Do we have any concept of that? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think the time frame would be sooner rather than later. Uh, certainly, if we got a, a federal earmark for the 2024 budget cycle, they would probably expect us to start expending funds in, in 2024, but we're just not that far along yet. I don't so think. that would mean spending money starting in October of this year? Is that not, not, not probably this year. Um, you know, probably 2024 at the earliest, I would think. Okay. But th that's probably pretty optimistic. You know, we, we had discussion on Friday about, you know, the, the World Cup is coming to Kansas City, um, having our airport in a position to, you know, accept possibly or host one of those World Cup teams um, in 2026 would be a pretty good goal. And that, that would be maybe something to, to shoot for as well. I think being able to accommodate a lot more of the sports teams that fly in and out of Lawrence, because a lot of times the Jayhawk basketball team doesn't fly out of Lawrence, they fly out of Bill or out of Forbes or, or Kansas City to because they're taking larger aircraft that this may encourage a lot more of that activity and visiting teams to use our airport a lot more frequently. Absolutely. Okay, other comments? Are we married to the 600 feet? And it's um, that is, you know, what we are doing right now is gathering um, uh, data from um, KU Athletics in terms of the, the types of aircraft they're using and project to use in the future. Um, they they gave us some initial uh, aircraft data on Friday and pass that on to Garver. So I would say that that's still under discussion. I think this is the idea phase to get everything that would be involved together and then kind of get an idea of budget. 7,500 is the mark that you're aiming for. No, no, I, I don't think that's no, no, a feasible I mean, number. If you're aiming for seven threes coming in and out. Yeah, that, that was just going to what's the biggest airplane we're looking at? Yeah, that well, was versus a global or the yeah. G4 or something like that. We've actually had seven three land at our oh, airport sure. already. The, the president of Columbia yeah. came in, but the taxi lane was too narrow. It, 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 it's mains fit on it, but we had to have a 
a guide vehicle guide them on the taxiway so that their their main state on the taxiway. What I was after is like I think we just need to carefully pick what we're after because I think if we're at six hundred, you're talking still citations and hawkers and challengers. But yeah, I think that's for global line where you're going G five GS six fifties. There's we need seventy five hundred feet. So that there's a there's a big kick between medium class aircraft and wide body. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that wide body is is going to be feasible. So I agree. That's why I was like, we got to be careful when we're outside of this regard. A potential extension at both ends of the airport, Scott. I mean, I mean, two separate extensions, one at each end. That, that's or what a Gar very long one at the south end, or or how that's what Garver's feasibility study will look at. Okay. What What are the options? What are the most cost effective solutions? They'll look at the fleet mix in terms of uh, what are the the charters that we can potentially expect to see at Lawrence Regional Airport. Do we have an index of who's coming in or a count on who's coming in? We have that data. Okay. Yeah. All right. Other questions? All right. What action yeah. do we need, Scott? Yeah. Th this Maybe is Ron. Ron, go. Ron Renz again. Um, my annual, annual, every time the CIP comes up, safety input is the taxiway extension of taxiway Bravo to the end of runway 19, so you don't have to back taxi on 19 to get to the end. And I see it's again not in the CIP, but raising my safety hand again. That's a really we need to figure out how to do that at some point in time. Um, and runway extension, I think it's a great idea. R longer runways are always better. We get the money. Let's figure out how to make it happen. I think it's right here. It's in our CIP, Ron. It's just in the six to ten year component. Okay, well that's good. I I, I was looking for it. I just missed it. Just want to make sure we we still have it in there because that that's a really potential safety issue. I mean, runway one nine isn't used all that often, but when it is, you got to back taxi down. Uh, typically, most people back taxi down one five three three, and then back taxi down one nine to get to the end. So you're really impacting two runways with potential safety implications there. Thanks, Scott. We can get the CIP committee to throw that into the mix at our, well, we're going to try to set up a meeting uh, after this one to, so that we can start working on that kind of stuff for advice to uh, everybody. Your action tonight is to recommend approval of the um, five-year airport okay. improvement program and, and really the uh, the longer-term list as well. Hey, Scott, is that longer-term list, where is that available? Is that on the That's right here on the agenda materials. What, what page is that? I'm on page 212. Okay, that came later. Right. Yeah. Ah, there we go. And those longer term projects, we really haven't had Garver take a, a look at in terms of updating any costs. We've really been honed in on the short-term list so far with, with Garver staff and with the consultant selection process, those were the projects that they were selected to, to help us on initially anyway. Okay. Clancy, 
further discussion or do we need Clancy, this is Larry Kellogg here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want to get on uh, Ron Wren's team. We have kicked the can down the road for a very, very long time on the extension to the 1-9 taxiway. It, it has been on the CIP in the near term and it just keeps getting, now it's on the five to 10 year side of the line. That, I don't, I'm sure I'm not the only small plane driver out there, but back taxing on one nine, you are taxing into landing traffic at that point in time, which I know we, we're all got our heads out, sauna swivel, looking at the incoming side. But if you've got a guy out there without a radio, it's really a dangerous situation to back taxi on one nine. You're forcing people into either having to do an intersection departure or taxi into on the potential of oncoming traffic. And it's a real safety issue. And I, it's been years. I've, you know, obviously I've been at this for years. It, it never it's seems been, anybody's on, important. You know, it doesn't become important to anyone. <clears throat> It's been on the master plan since 2012 that I'm aware of, and on the master longer than 2012. Oh, I'm sure it has. Well, I wasn't here since then. I don't know, Scott. Can we can we move that forward on this? I'm sure. Yeah, we can move that up to the to the one to five year plan. Sure. It's a serious safety issue for those of us, which is not obviously none. Not all of us are driving G5. Uh, I know you, you get the off the, the crosswind day. One one nine gets a lot of small traffic, and you're stuck with crossing one one five when it's active for the big guys, or back taxing into oncoming traffic. Well, I well, I, just an FYI. I think we should try to move it forward. <laughs> Actually, I think they made it to the front of the list probably about four or five times through the years. And other priorities came in and bumped it and bumped it. So, the priorities are always the jets, it's always the incoming corporate traffic. It's never the, the local or and or visiting small planes on a crosswind day. You know, we were out there flying around the other day. We're on one one nine doing the thing that the wind says we should be doing, but we're holding up. And right, I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but we're intentionally holding up because you've got King Airs and you've got Honda Jets using one one five because they can and they have to. <clears throat> Well, the only thing we can do is try to move it forward again. We can and just and keep putting pressure. Keep putting pressure, pressure on it. You know, so. Does it? Okay. When, when you, you know, all the money that we're talking about on these other projects, which are good quality projects, this thing is a drop in the bucket compared to the kind of money you're talking on these other projects. Well, it's it's possible that Garber could include this in the this in the. The modifications, modifications to one five three three if they extended along with the along with the ramp extension ramp that they extended that because that because it creates a safer safer environment for one five three three if they're going to do it all at the same time we can maybe try and include that in the scope of that project. Okay. So.
the last time we got close to this, uh, ADG was still the consultant group for the deal. We were talking about something less than $300,000 to extend the, the uh, taxiway and put in a, a runoff area. Now that was obviously years ago and inflation has taken over, but we still aren't talking about big money compared to these other projects. Well, I think that the only thing we can do here, uh, Larry, is have a motion and see if we can get it moved up and, and keep working on the financing. So, I'm with Ron. I just don't want you guys to lose sight of this thing. Believe me, yeah. believe me. Yes, <laughs> okay. So, I will make a motion. Thanks, that motion thanks that, again. Uh, I'll make a motion I'll that, make a motion that the extension. Of the that's taxiway delta to the end of 119 be moved to the one to five year plan from the five to 10 year plan. Do I have a second? I'll second. Dan seconds. Okay. Richard. Aye. Dan. Aye. Chris. Aye. Uh, aye. David. Aye. James. Aye. Tiffany. Aye. Okay, it's unanimous. And I, Richard, I will take that motion to mean um, adopt the plan as presented with the addition of that uh, taxiway extension. Correct. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're ready for the FBO report from Lloyd. Finally, Lloyd, it's your turn. Thank you. Lloyd Hattrick with FBO, um, Hattrick Air Service. I, I probably, I'm glad to hear that this got moved up to the five year because this is, I've been on the, I've been around for so many years that it get kicked down and there is a safety there. So at least leave it there. You you may not get it, but if it's there, we'll you won't get it if it's not there. So I agree with that. Um, to just enlighten a little bit on the um, runway extension, we had that meeting Friday with it sound. Sounds encouraging. We've got aircraft coming in now that just is uh, a good size, as you've seen out there. And we get the question every every now and then, you know, I can we get permission to land because the, the runway not built for their size? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we grant been been city's been fortunate enough to grant it on a case by case or. or uh, we're not doing enough of it that it's a big issue, but this is just stuff we know about. How many, how many people aren't coming because we're not, you know, equipped for that type of aircraft? I know the university's pushing on some of us to look at doing some more uh, charter work out of there with the other teams and stuff. So that would entail, we, we talked a little bit about 737s as a possibility, which would require the runways to be built stronger as well as the length of it. Our, one of our aircrafts in particular, uh, well, probably all of them, but the, the one in, in particular, it, it's very limited with uh, contaminated runways. If we get rain or something, wetness on it, the numbers change and we can't even take off with what we got on the field now, let alone transients coming in and stuff. So there, there's a lot of plus to it. I think the maximum we, we are kicking around maybe 6,300 feet with going to the north. And it did get discussed, maybe even looking at the cost of, I think they were going to look at it, maybe just building a tunnel for 24. It might drop it 
underneath. Drop it underneath, yeah. and all of a sudden, then then the seven thousand becomes feasible or cost involved, obviously. But but at least it wouldn't limit us in the future. But I really think the numbers at sixty three or something is probably going to be a good number that will probably take care of us for years to come. Um, so with that being said, I think the other. Um, I've, I've had a lot of calls, not that we don't get them all the time anyway, but, and we push them off to Scott and Scott gets them, but um, hangar, hangar space is just so tough to get anywhere. Uh, T hangar is what I'm referring to. We're, we're hopefully going to accommodate some of the bigger hangers, but I, I don't know if the board could take another look at this and see if the city could uh, find sources to finance another row or two at he hangers. We talked about it years and years ago. I don't think it's been brought up. And Richard, you beat it before, but uh, it's been, I bet, probably been five or six years since we really looked at it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a little bit longer than that. It, it may have been. And uh, uh, if I we think just, it was before all of the current city commissioners were on the on the commission. Yeah, I think, uh, but you know, we we looked at it so many years ago in, in ways of maybe uh, issuing bond money to recoup some of that. It really needs to be a city project. I think um, city doesn't have property tax. Uh, they've got a lot of cost savings for a private person to come in and try to make the numbers work. Uh, it's just not feasible. Uh, maybe the paying your rent need to be higher than they are to help that, but. Um, but we're getting, I've got, I probably had three calls last week. It's just Kansas City is in the same boat, Topeka. They just got a waiting list. I, I keep telling people to put their name on the waiting list, even though it's, there's probably no chance right off, but well, they don't, they don't do it. So the number is higher than what you see, I'm sure, Scott, without a doubt. So if, if it's something the board could look at and just see the feasibility, see if it's something the city could look at, that, that'd be awesome. Them. Okay. Um, we also have got a um, the Piper Comanche Club is doing a, their 50th anniversary fly-in this August. They they want to look at Lawrence as an option of coming in here. I, as I understand, they already made their plans for um, the the hotel over at the Legends with the the. the one different rooms kind of a vrbo home what is it uh anyway they've set their reservations over there so i don't know what lawrence itself would gain from hotel rooms and stuff but uh, they're they're looking probably somewhere in a 40 to 50 aircraft that would come in and the, the dates right now that i'm being told is august 16th through the 21st um but those kind of numbers, we wouldn't have the tie-down space for them, but we could look at <coughs> other options of um, maybe putting them on the west side in the grass with portable tie-down rope or something. But uh, right now they're just talking about it. I think they committed to the Kansas City area already, so now they're just trying to narrow down an airport. And okay. and they're excited about using Lawrence. They just they plan on coming over and taking a look at it, uh, but it's just kind of... FYI for right now that that probably could come to play. So, good. That's all I. What's going on in the terminal? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Should be okay. Yeah. So, good. Okay. Thanks. Thank Lord, you. Anything else? Mm -hmm. No. Nothing.
All right. Uh, I guess we're ready for the youth camp, Richard. Well, the, I actually have two things. Uh, the youth camp, which is technically or oh, yeah, tentatively scheduled for May 20th, but before the youth camp, we have April 20th. We're trying to arrange flights for Leadership Lawrence. Leadership Lawrence, we haven't been able to do flights over the last couple of years because of COVID. So we're going to try to accommodate three classes at the same time. And so it depends on what's going on with the terminal building and how we do things. So we need to look into some logistics that way as far as accommodating people. But we're going to try to stretch it out throughout the day. But we're going to reach out to local pilots and aircraft owners to see if we can get some volunteers to, to give rides. In the past, we've usually had three to four aircraft and done about 30 people, 32 people. And so this time it'll be three times the amount. So if we can get more aircraft, maybe longer commitment throughout the day. My preference is, is we try to do more flights as early as we can in the day. Um, so thermals aren't building up. Everybody really gets to enjoy the ride. By mid-afternoon, even in April, we'll start to get some, some bumps, weather permitting, depending on what the weather is like anyway, because it can be up and down that time of the year. But tentatively, April 20th and May 20th, and with the construction schedule we got this evening, that'll give us some, some areas to start improving so we can make sure we have places for all the modules for the, the class, and we'll reach out to different flying groups to make sure we're covered. Um, on the youth aviation camp, we're always welcome to, to accepting volunteers that want to help te mo teach modules, work with the, the kids. Um, the more aircraft people that we have volunteer to, to give the kids rides, the more campers we can take. Um, we've had a lot of our campers go on to aviation degrees, aviation careers. Um, we have one particular young lady that we gave a flying scholarship to that she'll be a fifth year senior at KU Aerospace. So. It's good to see the kids actually progress in aviation and, and keep everybody going. We've had some, a few of the parents reach out and say, why don't we do this for the adults, have an adult camp and introduce adults to flying. So if we did that, we'd have to work with Lloyd and find the instructor time so that the, the parents could actually get some real flight time and, and experience. But that's something to, to put in the back of, the, of our minds a little bit to think of give a, the adults a day out at the airport but as far as those two go they were still at the ground level trying to to get the logistics worked out so we can can get both events but if anybody wants to reach out to me um, April 20th um, leadership Lawrence flights we could use some volunteers um, and uh, the youth aviation camp will get more details as as everything unfolds okay well, Scott, is there anything is there anything you'd like for us to do, Richard? Not yet. I I think I just need to get some planning. I think as things get laid out a little bit better and we have an idea where everything's going to be, then maybe we can get a group of people together, get some of the 99s involved, and sure. and get some some things moved out, move forward. Okay. Um, the next item is the um, capital improvement subcommittee. Um, what I would like to do with that, we need to set another meeting, but I would also like to have some discussion here about expanding the scope of the committee to include short and long-term capital improvements so that we can work with Scott, like on the five-year plan, better, and also look at more of the finances. So I if you guys would like to toss that around I'd sure like to hear what you have to say but I would like to do that and then I'd like to 
after we've decided, I'd like to um, try to get together with that committee again, even on short-term goals, fairly soon. I'm going to be out of commission for about three weeks, February and March, so with a new knee. So uh, might need to get together sooner rather than later, or we just postpone it until afterwards. So comments. Well, that sounds well within the purview of the committee. You know, well, I think we initially we were only doing short-term stuff to try to get a few things done, and now I think we just need to make sure that the board understands what we're up to. And we will, obviously, we can't decide anything. We're just going to work with Scott and anybody, anybody else that he needs to bring in to assist us in making recommendations to the board. Yep, sounds reasonable to me. Okay, anybody else? Tiffany, do you have a comment? Are you still there? I do. I do. No. Um, I think this is one. Because you're on yes, the. I think this is. I think this is a wonderful idea, and I, um, I say we move forward. Okay. May I have? If there are no further comments, I'd like a motion and a second and a vote. I motion to approve. Okay, Tiffany. Second. I'll second it. Oops. I'll second it. Jim did, and. Let me get the list. All right, Richard. Aye. Dan. Aye. Chris. Aye. Me. Aye. David. Aye. James. Aye. And Tiffany. Aye. All right, it's unanimous, and we will meet after the meeting and set something up. Tiffany, can you hang around, or should we call you afterwards? I can. Okay. Um. Scott, are you, or item three? Um, yeah, I just wanted to, th again, throw those dates out there. Uh, in the past, um, the city has funded aviation board members to attend uh, these conferences. This year, with the KAA conference being Atchison, uh, close by, uh, you know, I think that presents an opportunity for board members to uh, attend that uh, meeting as well. Um, and the registration fees for KAA is very reasonable. I think they're like $150. So the four states, we'd probably have to limit it to um, one or two board members as those registration fees are a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if any board members would, would like to attend, um, I guess please let me know. I would highly encourage uh, board members to attend, uh, you know, Clancy attended last year, the four states conference just provides an opportunity to learn a lot about uh, aviation, uh, FAA programs, meet uh, FAA staff in person. Um, and it's, it's just, a, I think it helps you guys do your job better. Um, and I, I can second that. Um, I haven't been to a KAA meeting, but I do intend to go to this one this year. And what I would like to suggest is that I know, Dan, you've been to one of the four states meetings, right? Has anybody else been? Well, I think that anybody on the board who hasn't been should should attend, and especially new members should do that. So yeah, it, um, it's really opportunity to get a really good introduction to to, uh, to a lot of things that I never even thought about. You know, like handicapped ramp access and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that you you don't is a thing. So um, I think it's worthwhile. I think it really gives you the FAA's perspective of how they look at the airports. And that's a, a big key, not how we're looking at them, but how they look at them and how they measure different things at airports. Yeah. 
And Scott, you know more about the Kansas Association of Airport Conference. What does it usually focus on? Uh, the past couple of years I've attended, and I would throw out that for both of these conferences, the primary day, you know, it's not a three-day commitment in terms of your time. It's really the, the Thursday uh, is the the meat of both of those conferences. So if you could even commit to, I would say, a day and a half, that the Thursday and Friday morning of both of those conferences, uh, that, that's real, uh, the big time commitment. At KAA, uh, we also hear from uh, FAA staff, it's usually different uh, presentations on different topics. We uh, try not to duplicate what's happening at four states. Uh, but you also get to meet area uh, airport managers, learn what's going on at other area airports airports, discuss their projects. The nice thing about kind of the KAA conference is we try to have just some roundtable discussions. It's a much smaller group uh, versus four states, which is pretty huge. Um, the KAA conference usually attracts about 80 members, and you can just really have some uh, kind of in-depth discussions on uh, current issues uh, in terms of uh, aviation projects, aviation management uh, with consultants, with uh, FAA staff, airport managers, uh, so you can learn a lot uh, in that format. Okay. So if anybody wants to go, let Scott know. And um, the last item is a possible goal setting and strategic planning meeting for the whole board. So I'd, I'd like some discussion on that. I think even with the smaller subcommittee working on everything, I think we might need Oh, just a half a day or maybe a day for the board to sit down and say, okay, where do we want to go with all this stuff that we're talking about and make sure that we're in sync, especially in view of the fact that someplace in the next, what is it, 2024 to 2026 fiscal years, we may be doing another um, uh, master plan. And I think we need to have a good focus on not only the kinds of airplanes that we want to have come in here, but what that means for the whole infrastructure at the airport. So I open it for discussion. I would love to attend a meeting like that. I think that'd be great. All right. Does anybody have any idea when we ought to do it? Um, Richard, we have, you know, we're going to have some new board members coming in sometime this summer, I think. Yep. Maybe for the August meeting. So I want to keep as much experience discussing all this as we can. So. Well, a strategic planning meeting would be just an extension of another meeting, just mm -hmm. with that being the agenda rather than well, either the whole scope. It could even be off-site, right? I, I would. I, I don't know. Scott would have to. Well, with the recording and the public record. I'm, yeah, I, that's what I'm, I'm, I want. On-site would be beneficial because we'd be there seeing everything. Yeah. Um, the one comment I would have to make about the master plan is I would late, wait till the dust settles on all the stuff that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And because a master plan being drawn up in the middle of, of the progress is going to be expired by the time yeah. the ink dries. So once all this dust settles, when we get finished, if we can get that the uh, government funding to do the runway and ramp and things like that, that will make the new master plan that much more valuable. Sure. Scott, what do you have to say about the meeting uh, well you have your bylaws you can call a special meeting if you like we don't necessarily have to have uh, the meeting in um, this chamber 
Um, so we, we could hold it at an offsite uh, location. I, I think the requirement would just be that it be a publicly accessible uh, sure. facility because it would be an open meeting under the Kansas well, Open Meetings Act. It's not necessarily to make decisions. What it is is just kind of strategize. Mm -hmm. and, and that would certainly be presented at a report that we would yeah. Does that require minutes? And I don't know, Scott. Does it require minutes? Or do we just present our... our I think our if you have a quorum... I think minutes have to be kept. Uh, generally, we would want to keep minutes. The other uh, thing I would probably want some feedback on is w whether you would desire kind of a facilitator uh, for that type of uh, meeting, an outside facilitator. I would certainly appreciate that. Yeah, I would absolutely appreciate yeah, that. We need a, a non-involved person to yeah. guide us all on that. So um, do we have any suggestions about timing on that? This spring? Maybe after you recuperated enough yeah. to... After, yeah. You get your landing gear set up? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, the, the question is whether uh, the airplane and I are both grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for about eight weeks. But I can, I'll, I'll be mobile after about three. So. But that doesn't mean you guys can't come to my house. <laughs> Would this be a, a good opportunity for us to maybe sit down with one of the Garver... Um, managers and just kind of get an idea because Garver is the engineering company and the person that's really spearheading a lot of this stuff that they could could direct us they work with the FAA they know funding they know progress at airports mm -hmm. that they could kind of kind of spearhead things and and get us in a realistic direction so you're thinking of them for as a facilitator yeah I think so really good idea. what do you think Scott Garver, I'm so impressed with them, uh, Richard. They've offered uh, just great resources. They're a nationwide company um, that, you know, we had a person from Wichita drive up uh, on Friday to the meeting we had at the airport. Um, they have nationwide resources they, they would be happy, I think, to provide to us. So is that something we'd have to have approval from the city if they're going to, would it be city funds to pay for that person to come up? I would expect Garver would do that uh, gratis, but uh, we would certainly find some airport funds uh, uh, to make that happen. Yeah. Great vocabulary. Okay. Uh, do we want to set a and or do you want to play that? How do you want to do that? I don't know how to set this up. I would, if we're going to do it, okay. I would suggest we do it before the next meeting. Definitely, Maybe so we can have something to bring to the table. Pardon. But we've got a lot on Garver's table right now with the uh, trying to get the estimates together for all the uh, other stuff. Do we want to do it maybe after sure. they get that stuff together, which would push it probably into to April or May? April. The construction start date is April 10th. I mean, I would yeah. imagine once they get going with that, maybe just Especially after. for like second or third week in April. Yeah. Would that work? Scott, would that work for you? Uh, I'll make any date work you okay. set. Okay. All right. Um, calendars, guys. Let's see if we can figure it out. Selfishly, April 18th looks good. What day is that? It's Tuesday, April 18th. Um, Tuesdays usually aren't good because of city commission meetings, if we're going to have Scott be attended. Said selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> what other days are bad days? Or, or let me assume Wednesdays are good. 
Richard, your leadership flights are on April 20th, right? Yep. So that's a Thursday and that's out. So I don't know. Um, not the 19th. Works for me. 19th works for me. 19th. Okay. 19th. This never happens. There we go. What time? What time? Ruin a good time. We had a date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is uh, do you want to do it? Well, it's, it'll be light later then. But you want to still shoot for our normal six o'clock? Well, either that or we can just start in the afternoon. I would prefer earlier. Okay. You would prefer what? I would do it if it's earlier. I have an event that night. Okay. okay How about we... three? Three works. Three. Three. Yep. Okay. Three o'clock. We'll make it happen. Three o'clock, April nineteenth. Uh, where here or at um i'll have to look at uh facilities and, and i'll push that out to the board as soon as we have something identified oh that's because we're in the middle of construction the beginning of construction so it'd be neat if we could find a place at the airport and, but with garver coming i think that'd be if garver can, can can make it that'd be awesome my hangar may still be empty yeah there you go <laughs> I can make mine empty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else? Any other public input? Do you want to create an agenda for that meeting? I think we need to. Um, do you want a subcommittee to create the agenda? Or do you subcommittee for the subcommittee? Yeah, we're going to have a meeting about a meeting. meeting. Subcommittees. I know. This yeah. is right. I don't know that. Uh, I was going to say, if we're setting strategic goals and planning meeting, isn't that the agenda already? And that's basically what I think. Okay. Then just not not include the normal. Okay. Feedback. So we have set a strategic goals and planning meeting for April 19th at three o'clock and the place to be determined. Okay. Right. All right. Anything else? Next meeting is the next official meeting is May 3rd. Here, I assume, Scott. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I need a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. Richard seconds. All right, here we go. All right. Richard. Yes. Dan. Aye. Chris. Aye. Aye. David. Aye. James. Aye. Tiffany. Aye. Okay, great. Dan. All right. We are now adjourned. <laughs> Tiffany, would you hang around? Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everyone.